I don't think there's anything much more important than really grasping how truly loved you are by God in a very personal and uh, significant way rooted in the truth of who God is, is your own value. We're going to talk about that and more today in our study. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Richmond, and this is the Dwelling Richly Bible Study, where we love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are women who enthusiastically and intentionally dwell in the Word and let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. You can find Bible studies and video teaching like this on my blog and the Dwelling Richly podcast. Subscribe to this channel, hit that little church bell so you can get notified whenever I drop a new video. Let's get into the Word. Hey guys, welcome back. So glad you're with me. And uh, we're going to be in Lesson 3, of course, today. This is Day 3 of our study. And today we're going to be really thinking about what it means to be uniquely significant. And uh, I think there's a lot being said in our world today about being unique or having significance. But what does the Bible say? Because that's what ends up really mattering. And then all of us, um, whoever you are in your life right now in terms of your role, whether you're a mom, a wife, a friend, an employer, an employee, a mix of any of those, when you really start to grasp what it means to be truly unique and truly significant in terms of what the Bible says, it actually does end up changing everything. So we're going to look at that today. And let's go ahead and open in prayer and uh, ask God to bless our time together. I'm praying for you right now. Uh, make sure you leave a comment. Let me know you've been here. Just a simple roll call, check in, say hi or whatever. Uh, leave your thoughts and comments as we go through because I actually read through those comments. I don't always get around to replying to each. I try my best. And uh, I do pray for you by name, though, when I see your comment there. So let's go ahead and pray together right now. You pray for me. I'll be praying for you as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come before you today and we ask for wisdom and understanding. There's a lot of noise in this world telling us what to think, how to behave, who we are, and we really just want to hear from you. So bless our time together. Help us to connect and understand in your word together today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and dig in. Of course, our memory verse this week is from Psalm 139. Um, it's from verses uh, 23 and uh, 23 and 24. Uh, let's go ahead and say that together right now. And uh, maybe you can even sing it with me uh, as well. I, I taught you the song in our previous day's video. It goes like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way, any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting, in your everlasting way. And lead me in the way everlasting, in your everlasting way. All right, I told you also that that is part of uh, a song that I wrote for Psalm 139. And there's another segment of that. And I'll go ahead and teach it to you at the end of today's lesson so you can hear both parts as we uh, learn through and you'll learn even more of psalm 139 but our scripture verse for this time is from psalm 139 23 and 24 memorize it out of any version you care to uh, mine is actually out of the previous version of the niv uh, so it's slightly different than the current niv which was revised i believe back in 2011 maybe uh, but i memorized it originally out of the 1984 version of niv i know a lot of information that was free no extra charge <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and uh, read our passage today. Oh, don't forget, when you go to write it above, I give you uh, some ways to kind of break up that routine of writing it out each day. And today I'm going to ask you to write it in all capital letters. All right. Um, all right, let's take a look at 
uh, our opening uh, passage today. We're going to be reading Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. And let me go ahead and get that. Make sure, is it called up? Yeah, there it is on your screen. And there, and then I've got Psalm 139 queued up and ready to go as well. Because as we uh, read through our Genesis passage, I want you to also be thinking about how does that make that connection uh, to the truths that we read in Psalm 139. All right, so here's our Genesis passage. Genesis 2, 4 through, um, uh, 4 through 7. This is the account of of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and heavens. Now no shrub of the field yet grown on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Springs would well up from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. All right, let's take a look at our Psalm 139. I'll kind of scroll that over here so you can see it from the opening. And then move through our our questions for uh, today's study as well. So in the first, number one, connect what truths from today's passage do you see echoed in Psalm 139? And as I'm thinking about it and moving through, I key in on on this word formed and breathed and just how uh, the psalmist opens up Psalm 139 saying, you searched me and you know me. You know, when I sit and I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. And he moves on further down and talks about how he has been formed by God. And we talked a little bit about this the other day in his inmost being. So I see that connection there of a very personal God who's involved in creation that, and in, a, in the grand supernatural miraculous scheme, like in uh, the birth of uh, John the Baptist and the birth of of course, Christ, and then also my birth and your birth and the birth of this, the writer of the Psalm, David. And then, of course, the amazing formation of uh, the first man, Adam, and being given the breath of life by God. So we have a personal God who loves and knows us and is intimately involved in me as a human being. And then number two, uh, read and compare Genesis 1-1 and 2-4. Now let's take a look at those different passages and think about how they're similar and how they're different. So in Genesis 1-1, we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis 2-4, it says, similar, this is the account of the heavens and earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and heaven. So we've got more detail. Uh, We're kind of, you can feel the author and kind of moving in on the idea and getting ready to give us more depth of information. So similarities, it is, uh, again, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's just like a statement. So similarities, God created the heavens and the earth. And then differences, um, in 2-4, we have, let me get that up so you can see it a little better. Um, We have when the Lord God made the earth and heavens, and he reverses that, and it's like in the in the past tense. And so in, we have one one in the beginning, God did this, and now we have like almost a reflective look back on that when this was created, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth and the earth and the and the heavens, and kind of going back and forth on that. And you feel like he's kind of getting ready to move in on that, and that's exactly what he's doing, isn't it? Because we read that uh, as we previewed the scripture yesterday. 
All right, let's go ahead and do our read and compare portion here. I'm in the read and compare. Uh, we're going to take, oh, <laughs> we're going to take a look again at Genesis 2, 4 in several versions and note the word choice in the phrase, these are the blank of. So let's see, I've called that up in several translations for us. Let's go ahead and take a get over there and take a look at that. Um, click out of that. There we go. And I try, let's see, I tried to make sure I called them up in the order that we were looking at. <laughs> so the NET, NIV, and the New King James Version, which you can see on the screen here. So we have, this is the account of the heavens in the NET, New International. Again, this is the account. New King James, that's the NKJV. This is the history. And then here at the top, uh, the ESV, um, this... Um, I wonder if there's a way for me to slide that over so you can see it's kind of getting cut off. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of the NET and see if that helps a little bit. I don't want it to be cut off for you. I want you to be able to see all that. Here we go. The generations, the English standard, and then the history in the New King James. And this, I have it called up here. And the English standard, again, is generations. Um, King James version is generations as well. And then any other version you want. So I called up the New American Standard and have the word account. So we have generations, we have account, and we have history uh, written down in the different translations, the way they, they translated that word. So number four, understanding the Hebrew. The word translated account, generations, history, etc., is toledot. And I've written it there, sounded it out in English, and there it is for you in, um, uh, in Hebrew as well. Um, it occurs 11 more times in Genesis as introduction alert. Uh, some would say it's, a, it's an actual conclusion, and some say it's an introduction alert. Going forward at this point, we're going to call it an introduction and a kind of an alert to what's come. Some scholars think, like I said, that it's actually the conclusion of the previous section, and there's some debate on that, but for right now, we're going to go ahead and move forward as an introduction. So read the following and notice the difference in each of these toledot in comparison to the toledot of Genesis 2.4. So we have Genesis 2-4, the account of the heavens and the earth. We'll write that down. That's the event or person. Well, in this case, event. And then let's go ahead and move through the these other um, accounts and how they word things. So, oh, wait, scroll back. All right, Genesis 5-1. This is the record. Here we have in the New English Translation record. Uh, this is the record of the family line of Adam. So we have a person family line of Adam. And then in uh, verse 9 of chapter 6, this is the account of Noah. So write his name down there. And chapter 10, uh, we have a table of nations. This is the account of Noah's sons. We have Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then in 1032, make sure I'm not going too far so you can see it. Uh, families of Noah and his sons according to their genealogies by their nations and from these nations. Um, over the earth and the and the flood, so the families of no of the sons of Noah, and then in eleven ten the genealogy of Shem. This is the account of Shem, um, verse twenty seven. This is the account of Terah, and uh, verse uh, twelve and thirteen is the sons of Ishmael. We have the account of Abraham's son Ishmael, and then the names of his sons. And then verse uh, 19 of chapter 25, this is the account of Isaac, the son of Abraham. And then in 36.1, one, 
What follows is the account of Esau, also know, uh, known as Edom. And then verse 9, the same thing, the account of Esau. He actually has two accounts listed there. We'll get to that much later in our study. And then finally, chapter 37, verse 2. This is the account of Jacob. And it begins with, you can see right there, Joseph. All right. Okay, let's take a look at number 5. We'll get to learn a little more Hebrew on this part of it. Number 5, this is a first. Underline Lord God in Genesis 2, 4. And we're making note of the names by which God is known as we study through Genesis. I've mentioned that a few times, so hopefully you're kind of getting into that routine. And skim back through Genesis chapter 1, write the name of God from, and consider what each name title, name or title, reveals about who God is and not sure. Think about the context, what God is doing, how God's engaging, and write your thoughts below uh, each name right there. So here we go, Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. We have Elohim, and then we have Ruach. Elohim. And just uh, to go over this Hebrew call-out box here, we have Yahweh, the proper name of God of Israel, translated in all capital letters as L-O-R-D, Lord. The Hebrew letters are yod He vav He yod He vav He uh, It's also called, referred to as the Tetragrammaton, the Tetragrammaton. All right, so we have Elohim and we have Ruach Elohim and we have uh, God being revealed as the creator and then the Ruach Elohim, the, the hovering power, uh, the hovering God over his soon-to-be completed creation, right? And then we have in Genesis 2, 4 through 7, uh, this is the account of the heaven and the earth and Yahweh Elohim and in 2, 5, Yahweh Elohim and again in 2, 7, Yahweh Elohim. All right. So write Yahweh in Hebrew, uh, Yod, and then that Hey, and then the Bab, and then the Hey. And you got Hey, you know, kind of a two for one there. And you'll get to get used to hearing that and using that letter as we go through. And then the Yod is super easy. It's like a, almost like an apostrophe up there. And so Yod, Hey, Bab, Hey, Yod, Hey, Bab, Hey. All right. And go ahead and try writing that in, in Hebrew as well. Right to left. Don't forget, right to left. All right. Number six. Remember and uh, review and remember the context, people, place, and occasion that Moses wrote Genesis. So to whom was Genesis written? Genesis was written to the people of God. Uh, of course, ultimately we get to read that, but originally it was written to uh, the people of God. And where and when was the occasion of Genesis? And so this happened when... Uh, uh, it, it takes place after the Israelites are delivered from slavery out of Egypt and are making their way through the promised land. It takes place before they enter into the promised land and uh, when Moses you know, writes it all down and starts to record this account. All right, number seven. What was not there when the Lord God formed man? What was not there when the Lord God formed man? Let's just go back ahead and take a look back at our passage. This is the account, and no, now no shrub of the field, and no plant of the field, and for the Lord had not caused it to rain. So what was not there when the Lord God formed man? Uh, no shrub, no plant, no rain, no no man to cultivate. Um, springs would well up and so forth, but there none of the others existed there. And how was the ground watered? Again, streams would come up and water it um, from below. So interestingly, Ordinary, yet significantly different. How so? Consider Genesis 1.27 and 2.7. How is man ordinary, 
and yet unique in creation. So let's take a look at that and think that through. In uh, Genesis 1.27, we read, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So uh, in terms of ordinary, we're part of humankind and God, and we're creations of God, which is interesting to say that that's ordinary, but just in the grand scheme, because God created everything. But what's unique about this is that we're in his image. Nothing else is made in God's image. In terms of ordinary, of course, nothing that God makes is ordinary in that sense, but uh, it is ordinary in the grand scheme of like God made, you know, everything. And so what's unique about it, again, is the fact that we are in his image, but also take a look at uh, chapter 2, verse 7, and get that up so we can, there you go. Uh, the Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Nothing else do we have God breathing into their nostrils the breath of life. So we have ordinary and yet we have very unique in God's image, God's likeness, and the breath of life being breathed into um, the man to become a living being. All right. What if? What if? How would it impact your life personally in the way you think about yourself, your relationship to others, your priorities, even your dreams for your future if Genesis 127 and 27 were not true? In other words, you weren't only ordinary. You were not unique. There is nothing special. You're just a product of the evolutionary process with no intervention from God and uh, no special breath of life being brought to you, not made in God's image. None of that's true. No, it's it's just you're ordinary, and that's that. Um, but you're not, Bible says. So how would it change if, if that? I think this is an important question for anybody who believes in um, evolution without God's involvement. If God's not involved, if everything is just here by accident, and God doesn't breathe into us and make us unique from creation, then how are you any different than a dolphin, a chimpanzee, a flower? Right? You're just another part of the evolutionary process that happened to be created. Um, how, does that in, how does that impact the way you live with your other family members and, and have value for, with them? How does it impact the way you vote? How does that inform your priorities in terms of what you think is the most important thing to protect? Right. So as you move through this study in Genesis, I want us to be circling back to not just like I'm reading Genesis and learning this great stuff about history, but I really want us to be thinking about how it changes the way we live it because it should. It should it should have an impact on how you talk about yourself inside your own mind and to others. It should have an impact on how you engage with other people, uh, how you think about them. And it should have an impact on how you live your life on a, on a more practical level, being here in America, being able to vote, um, what priorities you make when you do vote. If what God said is true, that you are significant and unique and uh, not just ordinary, not just a random chance of, of evolutionary process outside of God's hand being involved, and it should make a big difference and it should inform how we live our life. All right. So I hope that's helpful for you. hope it gives you something to think about. And I look forward to being back here again with you as we move into this next section. For now, remember, as always, that you are loved and prayed for. And I look forward to being back here again with you real soon. Bye-bye.